I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Marcus Christian, a partner in the Washington, D.C.-based office of law firm Mayor Brown's Cybersecurity and Data Privacy Practice and White Collar Defense and Compliance Group. So Marcus, based on what you see with clients and others, what are some of the top security vulnerabilities and most worrisome cyber threats involving health-related data these days? I think we owe everyone, when they think of the threats, they think of the, the hackers and what a hacker is doing to healthcare organizations. And certainly they're a big factor, and I'll talk about them in a moment, but I think there's some more uh, common and consistent threats that, that face organizations, or I say areas of risk, perhaps, is a better way to put it. And one of those would just obviously be human errors. When we talk about cybersecurity in general, human error is a topic that often comes up, a source that often comes up, and just something basic, misdirected communications, be they letters, statements about the bills owed or, or whatnot emails or other transmissions that simply go to the wrong recipient. It's not the kind of thing you're going to read about in a paper or see on the news as a mega breach, but it's something that happens and it's something that's that's worth noting because it's not something that we expect is going to go away. There's another area of risk that you just think about in the delivery of healthcare. We think about uh, practitioners who are in many instances uh, dealing with emergencies. And one of the things they want to do is they, and they need to do is get to get access to information quickly. So oftentimes they find ways around, you know, these are smart people with little time, they find shortcuts to speed access to patient files and records. Some of those shortcuts include sharing passwords, using weak passwords, using emails to transmit sensitive information when they should use more secure platforms and the like. That's something else that I'd say is part of the backdrop. Another would be aging operating systems. You know, many healthcare systems and businesses in general I mean, if you get a system that, that seems to be working, in turn, when I say working, I mean, is it allowing you to do the things that you'd want to do? Can you share information? Can you store information? Can you retrieve information? But it may not be accomplishing or allowing you to accomplish or meet your security objectives. And so that's something that contributed to the WannaCry outbreak not long ago. So those are some of the things I like to identify as, as part of the backdrop. Now, getting to more technological perspective, we're looking at expanding attack service. Now, you know, as consumers... We have an ever-expanding array of connected devices and applications that allow us as individuals, as well as practitioners, health plans, and others to monitor activity that is directly relevant to health care and health-related outcomes. They could be in terms of helping to respond and treat a health condition, but also to prevent a negative health care condition that could be related to activity. So that's another part of it. But when you think about some of the incidents, the types of incidents that occur that tend to focus on the health care, on healthcare, you think about one, health-related data is something that's very attractive to cyber criminals, to hackers. It, among other things, one, it can be more valuable on the in the black market than, say, some types of financial data such as credit cards. Two, it's very much more sensitive in terms of individuals who have their healthcare data stolen. Healthcare records can include not only data that's relevant for financial transactions such as social security numbers, dates of birth, and other types of information, but it can be very sensitive in that it can reveal some very some conditions that could cause people to suffer reputational harm and other negative consequences. So it's obviously something that threat actors can get a hold of and they can monetize it in a number of ways by selling it on the black market, by using it to commit extortion. When you look at a healthcare organization, by infecting organizations with ransomware, which we've seen a lot, and, and requiring them to pay to regain access to the information. So those are some of the things we see. Also, you know, in some incidents I've dealt with, you find not only that there are vulnerability and threats just because they're hackers or just because they're workarounds, 
but there's a, a combination of factors coming together. You may have information that's shared among a large number of organizations, and organization one may have very strict and robust measures for security, and then you look to organization two, and, and they're being a little bit more lax in terms of how they deal with the data for legitimate business purposes if they were considered in isolation, such as efficiency. But when you think about the sensitivity of that information as well as the requirements, when you think about uh, you know HIPAA requirements and other information security requirements as well as privacy standards, they missed the mark. And so where does it leave us? What, am I see? what do we see? We see healthcare as a sector, as one of the number one sectors that threat actors hit from the outside in terms of hackers and others. We see a large number of, of accidental events that are, or incidents that are due to human error. And it's something that you know, when we look at these types of risks that are associated with healthcare data, th there's no sense that this is completely going away any time in the near future. What we do hope and we do expect and we do plan for is that by taking certain measures, healthcare companies, health plans, and others can actually have a higher level of cybersecurity and do better job of protecting records. So, Marcus, when it comes to regulatory gaps involving the privacy and security of health data, what stands out to you and what are some of the top issues? Obviously, we have HIPAA protecting protected health information related to covered entities and business associates, but there's also consumer wearable health devices and smartwatches that are generating some sensitive health data. Are there gaps in that area? And what other areas do you see regulatory gaps? One way you could describe it as gaps, I would say to some extent they're growing pains. The technology and capabilities are, are advancing very quickly. And so you have HHS OCR, which deals primarily with HIPAA and privacy and security rules. But you also have the FTC, which is certainly uh, taking a look at this area in terms of you know, devices that collect medical information. Whereas HHS OCR is focused on HIPAA, the FTC is focused on the FTC Act, and they're looking for deceptive acts and practices. And you know, through the FTC Act, you will find the FTC is increasingly looking for ways to assert its authority to protect health data that's collected by these wearable devices. And you also have the FDA, and there's certain devices that will collect information, and it may fall within the FDA's jurisdiction over medical devices. And it's, in, it's worth mentioning here that when we talk about cybersecurity, we're not simply talking about the confidentiality of information, right? We're talking also about the integrity of information as well as the availability of information. And when you think of a medical device on which someone's life may depend, uh, the cybersecurity of that medical device, certainly the confidential of the information is, is important, but also as important as the availability. If that device or the clinician needs a certain amount, certain types of information from that device, then it is very important for it to be accurate and for it not to be subject to cybersecurity threats or to be compromised by cybersecurity events and incidents. So what I would say is when you talk about HHS OCR, when you talk about FTC and the FDA, I think we have spaces between their general areas in which they act that they're looking and negotiating how they're going to fill that space. And I think that that space is not necessarily created by these organizations, but it's created by a growth over time in terms of the uh, attack space, in terms of the types of devices, the places where healthcare information, where medical information happens to reside, and other factors. And as always in the cybersecurity area and in the privacy area for that matter, it seems as though the risk and the threat grow and move faster then regulators can grow and, and, and change. And beyond, say, the, uh, the regulatory, the actual regulations and, and statutes on the book, you also have the fact that the HHS 
OCR, the FTC and the FDA face the reality that they have finite resources and finite budgets where you have, you know, when you look at the world of innovation out there, innovation in terms of new devices and innovation, if you want to call it that, in terms of what threat actors are doing, it really is dizzying the pace at which that's occurring. And so it's a tough job for the, for the regulators, but it's something that they'll obviously be vigilant about and they're going to have to figure out ways in which they can get, kind of cover that space that falls between their, their various organizations and their areas of focus. So looking ahead to 2020, what trends do you expect to play out when it comes to the respective roles of federal agencies and maybe perhaps even Congress in terms of new legislation or perhaps new laws or even at the state level for that matter in terms of protecting sensitive medical data? So I turn first back to the the federal agency. One, I would say that I think if I were going to be betting on which organization, HHS, OCR, FTC, or FDA, maybe moving the most quickly to focus on this. First of all, I don't want to disparage any of the organizations, but historically, if you look at the FTC, it tends has tended to be a little bit more energetic in terms of asserting itself in the privacy and cybersecurity area. That's not to say that the other two agencies haven't been aggressive. It's just that in many ways, HHS has its hands full when you look at the uh, organizations, the covered entities, and business associates that have incidents. And when you look at how long some of the investigations take for HHS, you understand that it has a fairly full docket. Sometimes it takes years before some of these major breaches we hear about are actually resolved. So it's quite a busy organization. So I would say among those, you may see the most movement in this space with the FTC. Now let's turn to Congress. Generally, I think the conventional wisdom is in an uh, election year, you're not going to see a lot in terms of lawmaking on critical issues by Congress. And uh, one might also say, and, and if you add to that, Congress taking making laws that deal with cybersecurity or data privacy, many people have lost hope that that's going to happen. I do believe, based upon what I've seen, that this is these are issues that Congress is just taking very seriously. However, the, the prospects of significant legislation next year are probably pretty slim. I will add one factor that perhaps is worthy of, ta- of being taken into consideration, and that's there's a lot of activity on the state level, which I'll talk about in a moment, that may be creating a certain amount of pressure and a certain amount of urgency on the part of Congress in that you have the California Consumer Privacy Act and many other bills. The CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, was passed last year, and it's, it's really sweeping legislation that creates privacy rights on behalf of individuals that have never before existed in the United States. And so as other states look to California and consider what type of legislation they may pass, and then I want to just add that there's an exception for HIPAA data, but it certainly does not completely exempt healthcare organizations. It's that Congress is going to take a look because it needs to consider the fact that you could wind up with 50 states with 50 different types of very restrictive and very, from business perspective, burdensome laws on the books whereas Congress could, through its powers, preemption powers, create one law that could apply across 50 states. So that's something that I think will be a factor for Congress as we look, look forward to 2020. Whether that makes a difference, I think, remains to be seen. Now, getting back to the states, and you did ask about the states, I think, I mean, clearly the states are where the most activity is taking place. Even before the California Consumer Privacy Act, there, I would say, has been a fair amount of activity in terms of uh, states not only passing data breach notification laws, in 2018, the, the 50th state actually passed its data breach notification law, but also strengthening their laws. You know, if you look several years ago, many of these laws didn't cover breaches that involve medical data, and now increasing numbers are. 
And not only are states including medical information in their laws for data breach notification, they're also passing laws that, that include cybersecurity requirements, minimum cybersecurity requirements for organizations. And so that's something that I think is just an indicator of the level of activity we're seeing on a state basis. And I think that will, if it is seen to be, there seem to be a need in the healthcare area, I think you're going to see more of that. Another thing I would say is that whereas on the national level, one may say that the politics are against legislation passing next year for healthcare for a number of reasons or for healthcare cybersecurity for a number of reasons, on the state level, there there are other factors that also uh, increase the likelihood of at least activity. So from a state agency basis, many state attorneys general are elected and privacy and security are issues that tend to resonate with the electorates in the various states. So uh, the constituents want to see their AGs being aggressive in these states. And if the AGs get that message, they're going to be aggressive. And it's something that that they will see that benefits them. So, you know, we've seen an increasing number of uh, fairly active state AGs and other agencies for that matter. Uh, We're seeing more laws that are requiring notification of state AGs and other agencies when there is a cybersecurity incident. So that's something that I would say, summary I would say, from Congress next year, probably not going to see a lot of or any legislation specifically for the healthcare sector. For the agencies, I think you're going to see HHS hard at work dealing with cybersecurity issues, making sure when they when they have an examination that organizations have administrative, physical, and technical controls. You're going to see the FTC and the FDA, but particularly the FTC, very interested in devices that collect personal data and the claims about cybersecurity that their manufacturers make. That's going to be a very specific, uh, very focused area, I think, that for the FTC, and it's growing. And, and so, and then on the state level, there's going to be a lot of activity. So that's pretty much at least my outlook and my thought about what we'll see in 2020 in terms of the legislative and regulatory space. Thanks, Marcus. I've been speaking to attorney Marcus Christian. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.